John Davies has a method, an approach he systematically developed over a career spanning three decades. He's proven it to be invaluable for dozens of industries and thousands of projects facing public acceptance. Up until now, the method has only been available to his select client list. John is unpacking his insight and wealth of knowledge to overcome opposition and earn public support for the first time right here. Throughout these episodes, we'll take a deep dive step-by-step step with John into his strategies to overcome opposition and create support. Nothing is free in this world, but good ideas are priceless. The show could be just the thing you've been looking for. I'm Mark Sylvester. Now, let's get started and talk with John. Welcome back to the show. John, uh, so we have gone through in the first half of the Davies Method, we've talked about the philosophy. We've been kind of at the higher order. We were talking about Aristotle. We've, we've looked at um, you know, the, the various methodologies. But now what I want to do is I really want to dig in on actionable things. And I want to start with, um, so the next five shows, we're gonna we're gonna go into and we've talked we've already talked about that but I want to focus now on listening and why is listen first I, I really um, I really think when I sit with clients who've been doing a lot of things in the wind industry and you know a client we're working with now we're doing almost a dozen wind farms for them around and uh, the we've had numerous phone calls conference calls with a dozen people. And the first thing we want to do is we need to do a radio spot. Let's get a flyer. How do we get at the county fair? What do we put on the table? And my first question is, what do the people in the community think about wind? What are they worried about? What are the, what's come in from other places that are as good news and bad news? I mean, how do, how do we dealing with the 71% that love renewable energy and the two-thirds of the communities that don't. How do we get in between them and figure out what they're saying? So we can't go talk to people until we know what they think, how they feel about it, and how to approach it. Do you feel that there's, I mean, that feels like uh, surveys and research polls and that right. kind of thing. Right. And, and uh, you know, we all started there. You know, you do a poll. And, and I remember 30-plus years ago, the first time I got to, be the lead getting a poll started. And then I spent a, a time in my career that I was working really closely with a research firm where I would do the analysis in the big years of U.S. Senate campaigns and the big controversial congressional campaigns. And, you know, they'd send me two or three polls a week and I'd read all the corners and all the data and the greatest education ever. Those are great. And it was really interesting. But there's so much polling today and people's thoughts are so much more complex the reasoning, their thought process. It isn't a straight line from this thought into this belief. So we, we've changed how we've done that. We just don't do that poll anymore because uh, how, how do we ask a question that we don't know what, what, what people are thinking? How do we ask questions? We don't know where people are going with something. We don't know the question, so we're not going to get the answers. Well, why don't we just use focus groups? Okay, I love, I love focus groups. So th the method we use that I want to share with people is so painfully simple that it, it makes it really hard. And simple because the, what you need to do it 
is uh, a telephone, a list of people in the community, mostly people that have some type of leadership, thought leadership or, or involvement, and, and the ability to write 10 to 20 questions. So we're really good at writing the questions. We're mostly really good at reading the answers. So polling, what happens when you get on a poll? You get on the phone. And what's spectacular about a poll is you're talking to one person. And, you know, most polls are 20, almost 30 minutes sometimes now. But they've gotten shorter and shorter. And the questions are, do, if, if I read you a list of statements and you tell me if you'd be more likely or less likely to support a wind farm, if that was true. The, the question is, local farmers would be receiving $1.5 million a year. Does that make you more likely or less likely? More likely. Is that much more likely or somewhat more likely? Somewhat more likely. Well, what do you want to say right after that as a normal human? Why? Why? Why is that somewhat more likely? Why is that much more likely? So if there's in, in, in traditional polling, there's no why. And it's closed-end questions. You don't know why I'm inconsistent on some questions because you don't understand what I think. So in focus groups, they're amazing because they're open-ended. You know, someone says, hey, how do you feel about this? What do you think of this? By the way, did you hear the two words I used? What words? You think, feel. Some people are thinkers, some people are feelers, so you got to talk to them both. How do you feel about that? Oh, if I'm, if I'm, a, if I'm a feeler type, I'm going to respond when you say, how do you feel about it? Hey, he understands me. I feel about things. How do you think about it? I'm a thinker. I, you know, these people who feel about things all the time. We don't know that, but when we talk, that's how you open them up. So in a, in a focus group, yes, those questions are open-ended. You go around a room, and that's where the problem starts. You've got 10, 12 people around a room. You've got two hours tops. You take a half hour to get into it, probably 10 minutes to get out of it. So you don't have a lot of time, and you've got 10 people. You divide, you know, 75 minutes by 10 people, you've got 7.5 minutes apiece. That's not the way it is. It's usually one guy takes a half hour and the rest of them get about two minutes. A lot of nodding, really interesting, great to sit in the room and watch. But too many people, too many opinions. So we want to do a poll of one with the opened, open-ended questions of the focus group. So we call them focused interviews. And we talk to, we found 25 people to be sufficient Sometimes we go up because of the subgroups. We want to make sure we're talking to different groups. So we might go up to 35, 40, 50. And we talk to them. We've, our ideal number of questions now is 22. Used to be 30. People's attention spans dropping. So 22 questions. It's 45 minutes up to an hour. And it's all open-ended. And, and, and the questions matter, but the answers matter more. Do you have a database of these questions? We, we have an approach for the first third of the questions, and it's all about them. And so when, when we talk to someone about, you ask questions about someone else's life and what they're doing without interjecting something about your life, they get really interested, right? I mean, that's what a podcast is about. You, know, you get the guy in your studio and you say, you tell me how important you are, and I get to sit here and put it out, and people get interested. Then I start asking you tough questions, and I make you think. And that's what what a podcast. That's what that's the beauty of a podcast. People get excited because they get to talk about themselves. We do the same thing. 
So I, I had I found this little method. I don't know where I got it from years ago when our kids were young. Um, and it was called the uh, it was called then the the most important four minutes. The and most important four, four, four minutes, minutes. Your day or in, in a relationship. And the deal was studies done that when you come into a situation or talk to someone, if you focus on them for four minutes, meaning that you ask them questions and the questions are related to one another, you jump from question to question based on what they're saying, not based on what you want to say. You don't interject. So when I come home when our kids are little, my wife says, you know, I'm dealing with three kids and I might have been on the road for a couple of days or I left to work early and I'm coming home at six or seven and I call her and spend four or five minutes, whatever it took. Sometimes I drove around the block twice to make sure she was done. And I just asked her questions. And at first I tried to solve problems. Then I started, no, I just need to listen. And so I listened to her. When I come home, everything's fine. I, I had four minutes, five minutes of her allowing me to tell how bad and how tough the day was. And I was like, wow, whoa, that's bad. That's really bad. That's tough. Wow. So what we do in the calls is we listen to people and we, they tell us why they live where they live. They tell us what they love about it. They tell us how they chose it. We, they tell us what's, what's going on, what's been good, what's been a little challenging. You know, how are the people leading the community doing? What would people tell me in just a few minutes of what it's like to live there? And so we always ask, you know, what do you think? And then what do other people say? And that allows them to get in a little bit. Sometimes it's what they think, but they don't want to say that's what they're thinking. Other times is what they think. So we're getting this incredible input about the community from the point of view of local residents who are thought leaders. It begs the question that there's some interesting training you must do for the people who run these phone banks. Yeah, it's the, the craziest thing is who are the best at it and who's not. So, uh, so if you look at it, I really want to ask you a question of this because that's just my nature. So who do you think would be, naturally, you would go after to be the best person to make these phone calls? That's a great <laughs> Now I'm saying that's a great question. Yeah, You're always the one saying that's a great question. I, you know, I, I, I'm going to guess it's counterintuitive. Well, so normally you think a salesperson, someone good on sales. You know, I don't think so because salesperson always has an agenda. They don't exactly. want to listen, right? I'm. Yeah. I, I would. To me, where I went was an improver. You, you got it. It's an actor, right? It's an actor. It's someone. So our first callers that really made this work, and we figured out that you need great callers, were out of work actors and actresses. They are amazing on the phone. It works. Who knew? Like, yeah, I mean, I had no idea. So now that's what we look for. And then we look for people that have those skills. And uh, it, it, so they talk. They, I mean, think about it. You got someone on the phone for 45 minutes to an hour. You better be pretty good at being interested in what they say. So what we do is we get they, – they give us all that information. I would love to listen to all of them. But I mean, I really would. But you it can't. Be, that's that'd be 25, of hours. 25 hours of right. listening if you didn't stop and play back, which you'd probably do 10 times. So uh, we get a verbatim, every word they said, and we read through it. Now, I think you've told me before that you kind of bullpen this to where 
there'll be three or four of you going through these verbatims together, and there's a bit of a hive mind thing that happens. Yes, totally. And and uh, actually created our office architecture based on this. Is we uh, w the best time we ever did reviews? I noticed we we're on the road. And we're all forced to sit around the table. We've all read it on an airplane or read it somewhere, and we're sitting around the table looking for findings. And we'd write some findings, and we'd, we this is pre-great Wi-Fi in hotels and places. We'd pass our computers around. We'd, we'd, we'd exchange computers. Someone would write two or three findings, and then someone else would rewrite it, and then we'd debate it. But it was more just writing and quick talking. We, we'd start at like 8 in the morning. And at eight at night, we're like, we we actually, a couple of us want to go to the gym. We got a break if we're going to go to the gym and have dinner tonight. We're so we're so focused on getting it done. So we created an office with that type of open environment and table to work at for other things. So we we read it, we write findings, we bounce the findings around. Well, one of one of our guys is really good at taking the final the final shot at getting a draft group of findings. I, I write the very final because that's just my prerogative. And and they're thoughtful. They're five to nine findings after reading these. We we take those and uh, turn them into dangers, opportunity strengths that we talked about before. I'm really curious and now I'm thinking, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm so, you were saying you're solution oriented when you would talk to your wife. I'm thinking of machine learning. And if I could take those verbatims and put them through a machine and uh, through Watson, let's say, mm -hmm. and say, tell me what are, what are the, uh, the things that are similar through here. And Watson could totally do that, by the way, mm -hmm. could come back and probably give you an extremely well thought out analysis of what those 25 conversations were. Had you ever thought of that? We, we, do, we do word analysis, looking at what words are used a lot. Um, and, and we would do the little word map and it produced nothing of substance. So the reason that is, this is qualitative research, not quantitative. So Watson probably could do it because of this artificial intelligence reading it. But most other type programs isn't going to do that. I mean, we have to read it with another hat on, which is we, we understand what we're trying to do. We understand uh, what wind farms are about. And as we read the comments, we're able to make, make those judgments. And so we're not just looking at this from one dimension. It's more of a three-dimensional look. You said earlier that you don't have the time to listen, but you've also, I've heard you say that when you can listen, there is an emotion, there right. is passion. How do we capture that? Well, so it's, it's really funny. And I, I think we all read them differently, but I read them and I hear their voice. And I think a couple of the other guys do too, that will be in on it different times. But I, I, we really try to capture their language and their words. So there's a lot of phrases, they're not complete sentences. There's funny wording, like if you're gonna take a, a transcript of what I say in these podcasts, it's not, you know, they're not complete sentences. So we try to make sure we get that because when someone does a partial sentence, they jump to something else, there's a, they go, oh, this is what I really wanna talk about. 
And that's what we try to capture. And so we're looking for the words they say, but I'm trying to get the music. What's the beat? What's the pause? What's the, what's the subject change? And by the way, there's just some people that are just plain boring. <laughs> and it's like, oh my gosh, it's like this guy, every paragraph says the same thing. I mean, you do a survey every time. It's usually someone that's on one edge of the political spectrum. And everything they talk about is seen through their political spectrum. And they're, I mean, you just want to cross them off, but you can't. But I mean, they're just, everything they say is, well, if we would just look at this from this point of view. I am, I feel like I, and I've explained this, I feel like I'm in the question business. Yeah. That I, I've got a database of thousands of questions. Um, I love the little uh, game called Table Topics. Mm -hmm. Have you seen those? Oh, yeah. And the uh, first time I saw that, about 20 years ago, and okay, this is fantastic. And I would always take a couple of those and throw them in my pocket when we'd go out to dinner with people we didn't know that well. And you could, you had permission to ask these questions. Let's, because listening is, uh, to your point, the first third is is asking about them and then being able to respond and ask the follow-on questions. Tell me what you think is the architecture of a great question. Well, first, it's who, what, where, why, when, and how. That's old school. But that's exactly. It's open-ended. So if you if you want to see the guy that does questions the absolute best and in the right nonverbal behavior, watch Columbo. Watch an old episode of, of Columbo. And, you know, he, he never comes on direct. He always comes at an oblique angle at you. He always tries to be a little bit below you. So if you're sitting, he almost kneels. You remember him. So he affects status it, during exactly. the call. Exactly. And, he, and he, he holds the back of his head and he looks down and he's... He's sort of like, well, you know, so you weren't home the night of the murder, and but who who were you with and why weren't you home with your wife? And and it's like, oh, and then he traps him because he's he traps him in open ended questions instead of closed end. And it's that's that's the deal, and you got to build question on top of question. Why do you and think? And you that can't force it. I get too specific when I write them. I don't write them. I uh, our oh. our team writes them, and I'm I I I actually am the worst person writing these because I get too specific. I want to get I want to drill down too hard, and so I've I have a method, and other people do my method better. I know that's hard hard to admit, right? That's why we're doing the show. Absolutely. Because we're training a bunch of people in the method. Yeah. What kind of what, – what could someone do today to kind of think about their – how they listen and maybe how to improve their listening? Like today. I know there's something they could do today. Oh, what would it be? Okay. Well, first off, when taking notes, think about what we're doing. We're having someone on the phone. Some of them are actors and actresses. So they have this ability to the, be – excited by other people's thoughts and play back to them. So that's one thing. But the other is listening means getting something in your head that they said. Stephen Covey had this this deal that he would have people do, and it was, uh, uh, I think, a three-pronged listening. So we'd have you know, one person talking, one person listening, 
who would play back like an outline of what they said, and the other person would repeat sort of what the person said translated. So you would make a statement about what's going on in your life, and the first person say, so things going in your life are you're, you just dropped off your children at college, and you're in an empty nester, and you and your wife are having this issue, this, then go through some. The other guy would say, wow, you know, um, I see that you're having uh, a real change in your life, and you're having an empty nester moment, and, and you're doing these things, and that's pretty exciting. That's great. And so when you do that exercise, so I, I encourage people right now to do that exercise. Stop this at the end. Go get two friends. Have one of them tell them a story. And one of you just say, okay, these are the issues you're talking about. The second person repeats the story in an empathetic manner and see how hard it is. I love that. John, I want to end it right there because I, I love leaving some homework for someone to go back and, and try this. Our, in next week, we're going to get into the next step is once you've got this research and you have your, you introduced a new word to us, findings. So it's the findings from that research and being able to, to crystallize right. that down, that's going to lead to our next lesson, which is around dreams and fears, which really ties right into listening. Right. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you for listening. It's now your opportunity and responsibility to use the method today. You've completed one segment toward understanding the Davies Method. We look forward to you subscribing. Join us as we uncover and explain the nuances of John's distinctive approach. For more episodes, visit thedaviesmethod.com. I'm Mark Sylvester, recording at the Pull String Press Studios in Santa Barbara, California.